Wake Up with Patty Catter. I love the show. I never miss an episode. It's the best. I turn it on and turn it up. Hello, everybody. You're listening to and watching Wake Up with Patty Catter, and I am Patty Catter. Today, I have my personal trademark attorney on the show, so I'm very happy to share a little bit of him with you. His name is Andrew Nelson. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Patty. You're welcome. Thanks for coming on and uh, sharing a little bit about them. I want to talk trademark. I want to talk a little bit of copyright. First, though, I'd love it if you could tell our guests just a little bit about like where you're from, where you grew up, and you were in the military. So I'd like to hear a little bit about that as well. Sure. Okay. I can, I can draw somewhat of a, maybe it's not a straight line. (laughs) It goes around (laughs) a little bit, but um, currently I live in Southern California. I've lived here um, down in Orange County since 2003. And I've been in California since 1998. Uh, It's not where I'm from originally. I grew up just South of Seattle. So I'm a Pacific Northwest guy, I guess. Um, (laughs) At least it's still in there somewhat. Uh, I did uh, go in the army way back in 1991. So that was, you know, I, I lived kind of a, a closed up life in the Northwest. I didn't get out much <laughs> as a youth. So that was my real first experience seeing the world, if you will, not to borrow a Navy term, I guess. But uh, so I was in the army uh, for three years, spent time at Fort Bragg. So I was in the 82nd Airborne Division. I was an infantry guy. Uh, a lot of people mistake me. They always ask me if I was, you know, since I'm a lawyer now, people ask me if I was a JAG officer. They automatically assume I was a JAG officer. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't an officer and <laughs> you know, I was enlisted. Uh, and being an infantry, I was far from being a lawyer. Uh, once I got out of the Army, I just spent, you know, a little over three years, you know, one, uh, one three-year stint and three years and some change. Uh, returned back to uh, the Northwest, went to University of Washington, and then I ended up deciding to go to law school. I uh, didn't know where I was going to go, applied all over the place, ended up on the West Coast. So I just went down to California. Uh, and this was late 90s. So economy was great. The job market was great. Plan was always to go back to Seattle. Didn't do it. Stayed in California, worked in the Silicon Valley for a couple of years. And then I found my way down here to Southern California, Orange County. And I've been here ever since and really enjoy it. Wow. Fort Bragg. Oh, my goodness. We were there a few years. That's right. where my husband was stationed. <laughs> So what made you decide to go from being in the military to, gee, I think I'm going to become an attorney? Yeah, that is, that's kind of a winding path as well. I went in the, in the army originally because it's largely, I didn't know what I wanted to do even college wise. So in the army, kind of my interest sort of developed a little bit more, not in the law. Uh, I hadn't even thought about that. Um, but I had, I always enjoyed history. I enjoyed political science, not politics, but political science, something about that interested me. So that those became my my majors uh, at college, and then I kind of realized at some point along the way when I thought, "What's next?" Uh, I didn't know if there was much to do, you know, career wise after that. So let's take my education to the next level, and somehow uh, that pointed me towards law school. Probably maybe from pure comments more than anything else. I'm not sure if mm-hmm. I, I have no lawyers in the family or anything like that. Don't even have that many college graduates in the family, so. Uh, you know, that just kind of, I just got funneled that direction. Uh, but then once I entered law school and mind you, that's three years and all you're doing is learning law. That's it. You know, there's no, there's electives, but they're law electives, right? It's not, you know, it's not all sorts of other disciplines. So, uh, but I found my way into, a, you know, some areas of interest um, and that got me to where I am today. So what type of an attorney are you? I know, but I want you to tell our <laughs> listeners. Uh, you know, 
I, I like to describe myself, I guess, as an intellectual property attorney. Uh, a lot of people describe me as a trademark attorney. Some people say he's a patent attorney, even though I don't do much of that at all. Usually my colleagues do, because those terms get kind of mixed up quite a bit. Some people, most people just say attorney because they they can't, you know, a lot of people can't put us in different categories, like, like with doctors, you know, podiatrist and, you know, general practitioner and, you know, thoracic surgeon and things like that. So, you know, lawyer, but yeah, intellectual property. And I hate to say this sometimes, but I am a litigator as well, business litigator. So I do help businesses resolve business disputes, preferably not in trial or in the court system, but through negotiation uh, and hopefully some hard advice at, at times. I help people just just avoid, depress, push down and avoid uh, disputes if I can do that. Right. You have been very helpful to me. You have a group on Facebook where you post little short videos of different topics. Um, could you tell our listeners where they could find that? Yeah. If, if you're on Facebook um, and or YouTube, and if you just punch in defending your brand uh, in the search bar, it should come up as a Facebook group, I believe right away. I don't think there's anything that's named even close, so it'll come up. Mm-hmm. One of my business mentors, Dan um, Dwyer, he recommended that I contact you. And I was so happy about that. It's taken me a while to get that fire underneath me to get that trademark done for my logo, which I'm really thankful for. There are a few things that I did not have a clue about trademarks or copyright. And what in the heck is the difference between a trademark and a copyright? Could you explain that? Uh, trademarks are something that we do and everybody encounters every day, multiple times per day. In short, I guess I would just describe it as a company's kind of identity. I mean, kind of like your name is your own personal identity. Your trademark, and usually it's marks, plural, is your company's identity. It's how, you know, you've got this kind of amorphous concept of brand, um, you know, that that people talk about. But how do you connect your brand, what you bring, and the promises of quality, all that sort of things that, that kind of uh, embody what's great about your business. How do you connect with the consumer so they can actually buy from you? <laughs> they recognize that because they connect your trademarks, the marks that you use in trade to that brand. So, you know, Nike, I always use a dumb example. I mean, people know the, the name Nike, but if they see the swoosh on its own, uh, they're going to connect that to the brand. If they see Just Do It or hear Just Do It, they're going to connect that to the brand. So that's your identity. That's what a trademark is. Copyright, in contrast, um, doesn't, it's, it's not really your brand identity, but what tr- copyright protects is someone's expressive content, their creation. So it's a, it's a different, it protects something different and much something much broader. So you write, you, you know, you have, you produce literary works, you, you take photos, um, you write music, you notate music, not just lyrics, you notate, you record it, uh, you create architectural plans, you sculpt all those sorts of expressive works. Uh, copyright protects that essentially giving you the right to control your expressive works, copies of your expressive works, adaptations of your expressive works. Whereas trademarks, I didn't mention this a moment ago, your identity, you have that, you create that identity, which is a unique identity. And what the law protects is your right not to have consumers be confused about the source of products or services. So other folks putting, doing other things in commerce, if you will, that might create that sort of confusion uh, may step on your trademark rights. So Some of my listeners, they're very business oriented and they're thinking about starting a business or they have a business. What would you tell them if they do not have a trademark and they're considering having one made? What do you tell the person who they're like, I don't know if I really need that? 
Well, there's a couple of things. When you say a trademark, most people are probably thinking of actually going through the steps of registering a trademark, either yeah. at the state level or the federal level. But every business is going to have a trademark um, of some sort. And trademarks in the U.S. are really created just by using them, adopting them and using them. Registering them makes them better. And there's reasons to, that one might consider registering a trademark. But every business is going to have one or more trademarks, even if it's just merely their name. There may be some slight exceptions, you know, really commoditized businesses, that sort of thing, where it really doesn't matter, <laughs> but uh, or it may not matter, and other things may matter, like relationships and that sort of thing. But um, almost as any business is going to need one in order to one help consumers or customers find you in the first place, and then come back to you later. Um, so what I would say is, before you adopt one or more, you got to make sure that you're not going to step on someone else's toes. So you need to clear it. First, as in look around, make sure that someone is not using something that's identical or similar, especially in your geography, but you could even be on the other side of the country, potentially, if they have rights everywhere. You don't know that. But you want to see if you're going to do something that might cause consumer confusion. If, if you are, or you think you might, you might want to rethink it. Mm -hmm. So why would somebody have their mark registered? What's the difference between having it registered and just using a brand name? Yeah, typically, if you... If you start to use something in commerce and you start to create rights, you really create rights. It's kind of two dimensions. One, it's geographical. So where you're operating your business, you'll start to build some exclusivity in your immediate area and in connection with the goods or services you're providing. It may be some, you know, kind of a natural zone of expansion related products. You'll probably create this bubble of protection, um, but that's not going to prohibit others from cropping up or popping up rather with some other similar or identical mark for similar or same goods in other locales, maybe even as close as the next county or two counties over potentially, uh, let alone other parts of the country. So if you expand, you may have all sorts of bumpers you're going to run into uh, as things going along. Whereas if you register your mark at the state level, that's going to give you kind of a presumption of state ownership everywhere, even though you're not operating everywhere. And the federal level, which is what you see far more often, state trademarks, yeah, they, they're of questionable value at times. Uh, but federal level, especially if you're going to have a business that's going to span nationally, or you already are, e-commerce or an online brand, uh, that gives you, the, one of the biggest benefits is a national presumption of ownership everywhere. So you mm -hmm. can kind of naturally kind of creep into your own uh, operating space uh, as you expand without having to worry that there can be others popping up and really, you know, basically get in front of you and kind of thwart your plans to be the exclusive, uh, have that exclusive brand identity everywhere in the country. There's some other uh, benefits as well, but that's one of the big ones, the, probably the biggest one. One of the things I did not find out until last week, you guys, is that I, I hired a lady to create my logo and we had emails back and forth. And she said, this is definitely for you. This is yours. But I didn't have her sign anything for me. And so Andy, he's like, you really need to get something signed. So one huge thing that I learned is that you need to have the proper paperwork when you have somebody doing their work. So could you explain that a little bit better than I just did, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. And this is one of those spots where I... I probably blurs people a lot on intellectual property and what the different types are. This is this is an area where copyright and trademark actually intersect. And that's when it comes to logo creation. Okay. So we know logos can function as trademarks and be identities. We see them every single company out there has got some kind of logo involved, right? But that is visual art typically. 
Um, and visual art, I mentioned a moment ago, I, actually, I'm not sure if I did mention, I said expressive works. I think I skipped fine art, visual art, but or graphic art, but that sort of artwork is also protected by copyright. So you could very well have two, uh, two different types of IP intellectual property protecting a single thing. And that's where this comes in. So if somebody, you know, you say, hey, can you develop brand identity for me? And somebody comes up with a, just a name for you, kind of a word mark is what we would call it. Um, there's probably not going to be any big issues there, but if somebody creates visual art, a logo for you, that person, oddly enough, all things being equal, is likely the copyright holder, even though you are commissioning them to create it for you. <laughs> so you could run into a situation where they actually own the copyright, even though you use the visual art as a trademark. You build trademark rights, they own a copyright, you may have some conflicting uh, issues down the road. Uh, that can be taken care of though with a simple document, you know, assigning it to you um, uh, in one way or the other. I, I won't go into other details. There's some other ways it can happen, but mm-hmm. a, a simple writing one pager is going to resolve that and basically put ownership in you, the commissioning person. There's no questions down the road about who owns not only the trademark rights, which are created through using it, but also the copyright in that mm-hmm. visual art as well. Now, when I contacted you, I was really happy about the process of, I mean, you knew, obviously, you know exactly what you're doing, but you made it very clear to me the things that I needed to do on my end and what I needed to give you so that you could go ahead and make sure that everything was legal with my trademark and you, you know, filing everything for me. Um, But what would you tell people who are getting ready to contact you? Do they just contact you and you'll tell them what to do like you did for me? In a matter of speaking, yeah. Um, what I typically do is when people do reach out to me, I shoot them a questionnaire. I think I'm pretty sure I would have sent it to you as well. Yeah, you I, did. Pretty, I do it routinely uh, because what what the questionnaire does is it everybody gets to drop all sorts of information about what they think their marks or marks might be because they may have an idea but they may not be quite right. So. Um, so I pull a lot of information out from them in this questionnaire: target markets, uh, channels of trade. Uh, what their future plans are, good services now, good services later, because all that uh, really creates uh, kind of the bedrock for a great productive conversation, even short, 15 minutes or so. uh, We'll get a lot out of that and then figure out a particular smart strategy. Because sometimes the strategy is just do what you're doing. Don't do anything else. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or maybe this is way wrong. (laughs) You're not, you know, you're really going (laughs) the wrong direction. We got to course correct here. Um, that is one thing I really like about you is you're really very forward and you're really blunt, like, Hey, I need this, this, and this. And one of the other things that I really am thankful for is you'll, you'll tell me in all the legal terms what I need. And then I'm like, Andy, what does this mean? And you break it down for me. So I appreciate that. Well, I'm glad to do it. Cause I hate legalese myself, <laughs> you know, oh my and there has been a there's been a you know a push over the last I'd say a couple of decades at least if not a little bit longer to make uh, you know the modern industry of law if you will far more plain English uh, even California uh, gosh I remember this guy has been ten or fifteen years now they um, they revised their standard jury instructions to basically be plain English <laughs> jury instructions because they were so chock full of legalese in years past so it's it's a slow but continuing movement um, but it it probably creates a little less distance between uh, the legal industry and others when uh, when that occurs, because otherwise, yeah, it's just full of Latin and French words and you know arcane industry terms that nobody, most lawyers don't even know. I don't right. know tons of them. If I'm not practicing the area, I don't know them. Mm-hmm. 
Now, one of the questions I warned you about is I asked my guests, what's one thing in your life that you've had to overcome? Some kind of a trial. And I use that word loosely with you, trial, because you're an attorney. (laughs) But um, (laughs) what kind of trial have you had and how did you overcome just one of them? Yeah, you know, I... uh, (laughs) If I had to put it, I guess, boil it down to one, um, I got fired once, you know, and some people are like, oh, okay, welcome to the club, Andy. <laughs> okay. But, you know, I didn't get fired from, you know, you know, my first couple, you know, jobs as a teenager was, you know, being a dishwasher and that sort of thing. And you even get a bad attitude as a kid and you get canned. I mean, that happens all the time. But those things didn't happen to me. I got lucky. Uh, and I've always kind of straddled the line a little bit between conformist and rebel <laughs> at times, you know, uh, notwithstanding what you might think about me otherwise. But oh, actually, I think we'll get along great then. <laughs> OK, OK. So here I was, you know, I'd, I'd been practicing law for five years, four or five years. Um, like I said, I started in Silicon Valley, had a great job up there, moved down to Southern California. And legal jobs are not hard, always easy to come by. <laughs> Um, and I found something for a few years, but it just wasn't my cup of tea. I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. I moved into a place which I thought was, okay, I found my dream job. Pay was great, prestigious firm. Wasn't quite doing what I wanted to do, but it was close. Uh, and here I was, you know, I, I get through year two. It's the start of the year. Uh, you know, they like large, you know, like a lot of larger firms, you get your kind of review and all that review, written review. Would you agree with it? Great. It was great review. And three weeks later, I was like, you know, I don't, this isn't working out. You know, I th- we think you need to look for something else. <laughs> what? And here I was, you know, I was newly married, I think at the time, a uh, year, I had a six month old. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, I'm going to lose all this income and have all these expenses. And I can't just go down the street and get another job. Um, so I was freaking out, uh, you know, and fortune shined upon me, I guess, because it, I mean, for a couple months, I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, but now, in the end, it just so happened that one of my colleagues from law school, and this is a great lesson, don't burn bridges, you know, <laughs> keep keep your relationships. Uh, you know, she happened to be leaving a firm uh, to go be a mom for a while, uh, leave the profession for a bit. And it was a perfect spot for me to slide right in when she was leaving. So she helped Ooh. me take over the, that position. I was there for 11 years after that. And I did more of the stuff I love to do than any time uh, before and anytime since, worked for a lot of cool apparel companies, and I was doing copyright, trademark law, unfair competition matters just daily for really cool companies. So uh, I'd like to say that you know I did something to overcome it, but in this case, you know, just um, time, place, just happened to work out. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, it was it was rough. <laughs> it was it was rough for me. It was rough on the family. Um, but you know, it's it, it's it scary. Out. You know, in retrospect, not so bad. But when I was there, my crystal ball uh, wasn't working too well. Mm-hmm. Didn't know what I, so I didn't know what was going to be happening. I didn't know what was going to happen the next day until it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, could you tell our listeners what your website is? Where can people find you if they want to hire you? It's simple. Uh, so the website is Fortis Law. Fortis is the law firm I'm with. F O R T I S L A W dot com. So FortisLaw.com, Easy enough to find me there. Excellent. And for those of you listening, you're going to find that in our show notes. And then for those of you watching, you'll see it on the screen. Um, Andrew, do you have any last words for somebody who is just kind of like on the edge? Like, should I think I might should contact him. What would your your input to them be? 
uh, go for it. <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of people, I think th there's always this reluctance to talk to an attorney, which I would have had as well when I was not one, which is, okay, they're a bunch of stuffed shirts. As soon as they say hello, that just cost me 30 bucks and the meter's running, that sort of thing. I don't do that. I, I you know, I, it's it doesn't cost people anything to have a chit chat with me. Did I just say that? That's <laughs> not part of my vernacular. I don't know where that came from. I guess I was trying to be very familiar, but um, I'm happy to have, uh, you know, 10, 15 minute conversations with anybody out of the gate. And it's very valuable. I mean, it, it's a valuable conversation. I, I think people will walk away um, enjoying their first experience, or maybe it's not their first, but this experience talking to a lawyer will not be a, uh, an awful memory. It's true. Um, I've had to talk to other lawyers about different things and never really felt comfortable around them. I can say I definitely feel comfortable around you, Andy, and I appreciate you. And I love, love, love your video, um, your little educational videos that you do in your Facebook groups. So I'm going to definitely link everybody to your group so that they can find you there as well. Um, thank you so much, Andy, for being on the show. I appreciate you so much. And everybody, Andy has been doing a like a phenomenal job for me. Um, I've been probably a little bit of a pain to him because I ask him like a million <laughs> questions and I, 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 con I contact him and I'm like, I'm almost ready. And then I don't contact him again for a couple months. And then I contact him again. So he's been very patient with me and I appreciate that. Thanks for having me, Patty. Uh, and think nothing of it. I enjoy it. I, I kind of interrupted you a moment ago. You know, lawyers are problem solvers. And I think in part, we probably, most of us probably enter this profession because we we like the challenge of really, you know, critical thinking and thinking about people's problems and thinking about strategy and how to solve someone else's problem. Because <laughs> yeah. if we don't have enough of our own. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Andy. And thank you everybody for tuning in. And again, make sure that you visit Andy's website and contact him. Don't even hesitate to contact him. If you're thinking about um, any kind of trademark or any, any kind of legal question that Andy could answer, right? Thanks, <laughs> I shouldn't Patty. say any kind, not if you're <laughs> looking for a divorce or something, that's the wrong one. I might be able to get some of the right person though. Anyhow. You yeah, know. there you go. <laughs> All right. Thanks everybody. And have an enjoyable rest of your weekend. Thank you for listening to Wake Up with Patty Catter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. Follow Patty at Patty Catter on Facebook and Instagram. Get social. You can now watch Wake Up with Patty Catter on Amazon TV and Roku. It's the only podcast I listen to. Be sure to check out Patty's apparel line, The Patriotic Mermaid at thepatrioticmermaid.com and on social media at The Patriotic Mermaid. I love it. Special thanks to Patty's content creator, Alicia Thompson. Thanks for all that you do. Visit ThompsonCreate.com for all your marketing and design inquiries. 